is the Getsy Health Podcast with Janique and Tristan Roney. Hey, everybody. This is the Getsy Health Podcast. We are... We have a really exciting lineup for you guys today. Welcome, everybody. This is going to be awesome. Yeah, it's because um, one of my favorite doctors is with us, Dr. John Sanders. And um, you guys, you need to hear his story. He is absolutely phenomenal. And um, and before I go into the story of how we met him, I just want to explain that the reason why we love him so much is because he saw a broken medical system and he is single-handedly trying to fix that for his patients because um, he recognizes that um, that patients deserve more from their doctors and their medical team and they're not getting that. So um, so there, welcome, there John. Thank you. There are monuments to him in the future. Yeah. <laughs> and, but, but really, guys... $3.5 trillion. That is why this podcast episode is really important because $3.5 trillion is how much we spent in America on healthcare in 2017, which was two years ago. That number increases by about 4% per year right now, which means that by the end of 2019, we will have spent close to $3.8 trillion. Isn't that total. like $1 for every $5 our country makes or something? That's right. So it's like 20%, 20% of our money. Of the money we're producing in this country is being thrown right back out the window to take Make care us sicker, of basically. <laughs> so anyways, basically. welcome, John. Or welcome, Dr. Sanders. Thank you for, oh. sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Welcome, yeah, no, no, Dr. Dr. John, John Sanders. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm being a little super too excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate yes. that. Thank you for your time. Um, so I'll quickly tell you guys how um, I met Dr. Uh, John Sanders is uh, my friend, Nicole, she was, she was at my house and she was telling me about a doctor's visit that she went to and she got a text and she said, oh, this is my doctor. And he's giving me an herbal protocol about what we're talking about, about what I, I spoke to him about a health concern. And I said, your doctor is texting you? Whoa, hold up. <laughs> was this about herbal? What? Herbal? Like He's doing an herbal, herbal protocol? Yeah, it was like an herbal protocol. And Over he was text? texting her. <laughs> and I'm like, what doctor cares that much? And so I said, I need his number. And so I think I called him immediately and I said, uh, Dr. Sanders, I would really like to sit down and chat with you about your philosophies. And so he said, absolutely tomorrow. Like, and I'm like, who, who sees people that fast? And so we went into his office and he didn't take 10 minutes or 20 minutes. We sat down with him and our two screaming children for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he asked us about our lives we asked him about his lives. He asked us our story. We asked him his story. And it's like we created a friend. And um, and that felt so, and I don't want to say uncomfortable, but I'm so used to being in and out with a doctor and they're just pushing me out the door. And so to have someone who was warm and welcoming and actually wanted to know our story that was like a breath of fresh air. It was a little confusing. It was, but yeah. in a really good way. A, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, Wait a second. Are, are we in the right place? Is this really a doctor or is this just some actor who's pretending here? <laughs> exactly. So, um, so Dr. Sanders, will you tell us? Um, well, first, yeah. can, I, can I say a little bit about him? Yes. I, I pulled your bio off of the internet and so I hope it's accurate. 
But um, (laughs) here's the test. It says here that you went to Nova Southeastern College of Osteopathic Medicine in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Yes. Right. And then uh, I did your residency in Jacksonville, Florida at uh, St. Vincent's Medical Center. Yeah, it was in family medicine with an emphasis in um, rural medicine. That's, That's right. Really cool. And you ended up actually using that for several years. In you Moab, practiced right? out of Moab, Southern Utah. You probably had a pretty big range that you covered. Yeah. In Moab, um, I, I covered the ER, the hospital, uh, obstetrics, um, surgical obstetrics where needed, dermatology, pediatrics. Wow. Um, yeah, dermatology, kind of everything. It was really fun. So Dr. Sanders is a board-certified family physician, but he is a jack-of-all-trades by necessity because mm-hmm. that was kind of what you had to do down there, it sounds like. Yeah, kind of the Swiss Army knife of medicine. <laughs> Love it. That's really cool. And then uh, how long ago was it now? It's been a year, year and a half since you moved up here to Utah County? Yeah, almost two now. Um, my wife wanted to pursue further education with a law degree and an MBA, and so we moved up here, and I'm happy to support her in that effort. Cool. And in doing that, he started what is called Voyage Direct Primary Care. And we're going to be talking a little bit about that today, along with some of Dr. Sanders' experience in medicine and healthcare and kind of navigating this whole system. So um, maybe we can jump in with jump in to the questions. questions. Cool. Yeah, let's do this. Um, Dr. John, did you always plan on becoming a doctor? Like, what was your story? What what drove you into this world? Yeah. So I actually, um, I grew up in a small town in central Nevada with no physician access. There was a chiropractor who oh. would come out occasionally. We had a nurse practitioner that the mine hired for like sports physicals and stuff. And my mom wow. was kind of a hobby herbalist and, and you know, homeopath and did all these. You know, so you grew, up, you grew up with that. Yeah. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, and so I wasn't sure if I wanted to go to like, I knew I wanted to, I just, I knew I wanted to pursue further education. I wasn't sure what exactly. And my junior year I had a, um, the university of Nevada school of medicine had a like rural kids into medicine program where they would pull these kids from these rural communities and give them like a week in at their medical school at, at, in Reno. And, and I hung out there with the, with the, with the, people and, and, you know, saw the cadaver lab and saw science and these new levels and things and, and thought this is really cool. And, and I definitely want to pursue healthcare in some way. And I thought maybe, maybe chiropractics, maybe physical therapy, maybe uh, naturopathic medical school. Mm-hmm. Um, and my friend in college told me about osteopathic medical school. And I, and I was like, Oh, this is like, this is so cool. It's like a hybrid between a chiropractor and an MD and you can kind of scope of practice isn't limited. Yeah. And, and uh, it's everything. Yeah. Basically. It's a good fit. Yeah. It was a great fit. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. Um, tell us about your training and your practice history. We kind of, Tristan kind of briefly went over that, but what are some details that you think are important to your story? Yeah. Um, so just, just being able to, uh, in osteopathy, I, I loved that just coming from kind of a, my mentor, the, the chiropractor that would come out to my small town. Mm-hmm. Um, it was great to hold true to some of those, you know, the touch part of medicine and being yeah. able to, to help people with your hands a little bit. Um, that was really fun. Uh, and then, and then, you know, doing a very robust residency in, in Jacksonville, doing lots of babies and lots of pediatric care and lots of hospital care and being able to, uh, really just kind of take care of a community in a rural setting, um, mm-hmm. was really, really fun. Cool. 
So uh, I just want to go into a little bit more about a DO program, doctor of osteopathy. You mentioned it's kind of a hybrid between a medical doctor and a chiropractor. What would you say are the main differences there between you and someone who got an MD? Yeah, so scope of practice is the same. You'll see uh, DOs and MDs practicing side by side in the ORs and the ERs, in the hospitals. Um, and so as far as scope of practice, there's not a whole lot of difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our training, I think we spend a little more time with the hands-on part, the um, those kinds of things, and, and just tend to be, as a whole, a little more holistic-minded maybe. Mm-hmm. I think the allopaths are coming along with that, and I see more and more of my allopathic colleagues embracing more holistic mindsets and being able to put their arms around more of the natural things. But, uh, but they're, yeah, osteopaths are like, yeah, that's, that's pretty straightforward for them. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, can you, um, can you tell us your story that led you to creating Voyage Voyage and structuring it the way you have? Yeah. Voyage Direct Primary Care. Man, this is my baby. I, I started this about a year ago. Um, I moved here from Moab. My wife is in school. We have four kids. And I took a job with one of the health system folks here. And mm-hmm. and uh, it was a large organization, lots and lots of doctors, probably 200 or so. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us which organization uh, it is? I probably shouldn't do that. Okay. <laughs> then don't. Either, okay. either way, that must have been a bit of a culture shock going from being yeah. like the doctor for miles and miles to Just a doctor in a giant massive machine. Yeah. 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 The massive machine thing was the biggest turnoff for me. Mm-hmm. I, 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 about two months and I, I gave him... Um, the resignation card. Wow. It only took two months. Yeah. That's amazing. I I knew that that wasn't the fit right fit for me and I'm not a short-term guy, right? I'm, I'm, and I, I don't take care of people short-term either. My, Mm -hmm. my goal is as family medicine, we want continuity of care for 20 years. Right. And so if I am under their onus, I knew that that was too crazy for me for, for the 20 year haul. And so, um, so I just knew that I needed to make a quick change and and do something different. Um, I'll tell you a story about, about the reason why I, I did voyage direct primary care. So, so under this model, it's, it's broken in a lot of ways, right? The corporatization of medicine, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the turn and burn model, this whole thing. And turn and burn. It, it creates this, like this really quick access to really quick visits and mm-hmm. not enough time. I and mean, these physicians are smart people, right? They're, they go to all this robust training and all this, but they just are limited by the system to put their brains to work on folks. And right. so, so, um, I knew I needed to change up that whole, like, it was a systemic situation instead of just like a, and, and, and the one thing for me was this sweet family. They came in and, um, this mom brings in her son and her son is swollen on all of his joints in his body. His wrists are swollen. His elbows are swollen. His, his knees are swollen. His ankles are swollen. He's just swollen on all his joints. And, and she's just, she's just kind of downcast and her, she won't look at me. And, and, and I said, well, mom, tell me a story. Cause that's how I usually start my visits. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, uh, and she says, I feel really bad. And I said, well, I'm trying me. Let's just talk about it. And she says, uh, you know, my, my, I think my son had strep and, oh. and I think this is strep in his joints mm-hmm. and it, this can actually happen. And, and, um, wow. and I said, well, what makes you think that? I mean, how, how are you so certain that this is strep? And she says, well, um, my daughter got sick, um, about 10 days after he was sick and it was similar, but she was quite sick and we took her in and the reason we didn't go in with him is because co-pays deductibles and wow. we weren't sure. And maybe, and just go in for a five minute visit and the doc telling that, tell me that it's just a cold. And, and, and so I wasn't sure. And, uh. and we didn't go. And then sure enough, uh, uh, you know, 10 days later, her daughter was diagnosed with strep. Mm. 
And so it was the same thing, just went untreated. Yeah. Untreated strep can be catastrophic. Um, and this is one of the potential um, sequela, what's the word for that? <laughs> uh, outcomes from, mm-hmm. from not treating strep. It would be uh, post-streptococcal arthritis. And so this kid had major problems. Oh my god! I ended up spending like three hours on the phone with infectious disease, talking to uh. them. What do they want me to do with this situation? Because it's not something you should see in America, right? Yeah. I, I've served mission trips to Haiti, to Mexico. I see stuff like this. It's pretty, it's, it's interesting for me. Yeah. But in America, like a working family has insurance. Yeah. What, what, why this, did I see this? This should have been prevented. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, that's what made me think, gosh, it's a systemic problem yeah. that's pushing families away from care instead of having easy access points to reach out to me, text, video chat, phone call, say, hey, doc, my son's sick. These are his symptoms. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, let me help you navigate that whole decision making process. Yes. That's what I'm a pro at. I'm a, that's what I do. Yes. Um, and so there's just anyway, that that was for me the straw that broke the camel's back and yeah. saying, insurance cards maybe don't deliver the type of care that I want to deliver. And so can I step outside of that model, still be cost effective, still be transparent and, and deliver something different as far as a product of, of care. Exactly. Yeah, that and, is so important. And I, I can tell you from my own experience, I waited for several months before I actually started trying to figure out what was going on with my own issues, mm-hmm. which ended up turning into, you know, a stage four cancer by the time we found right. it. And a big part of my delay was insurance. I did not want to deal with the costs that would come with that mm-hmm. the insurance nightmare, yeah. the whole thing. So it was, yeah. One of the biggest problems that I see is a lack of transparency on what is going to get covered and how much things are going to cost. Yeah. And so, so, so that, that insurance card, you, you go to the doc, you use your insurance card, but nobody knows. No one. Neither. I, nor my office manager, nor my patients, nobody knows how this is going to shake out financially. Right. And, and so there's just such a hidden lack of transparency game going on. There's no menu. There's, there's no menu. Zero menu. Yeah. Like, can you just show me a menu? Like, so I know my expectation. Is this a $50 visit? Is it a $300 visit? Yes. You're completely <laughs> right. And it's very scary. I've got memories of us in our early marriage going to the urgent care and then waiting with anxiety mm-hmm. for the mail to come to yes. find oh out gosh. how bad is this going to be? Is it yes. going to be $30? Yes. Is it going to be $300? Is it going to be $3,000? Yeah. And really, honestly, never knowing because no one had any clue until, who knows, some exactly. person in a room somewhere makes that decision down yeah. the line. It's crazy. So at Voyage Direct Primary Care, I have very transparent pricing. I have menus mm-hmm. on labs, on imaging, on pathology. I know how much these services cost. And in fact, I advocate for my patients and I go out and negotiate all those pieces of the of the healthcare pie. And, and I have them dialed in so that folks aren't left in the dark. And I'm not left in the dark either. Yeah. So it's, it's sweet. And it's actually super cost effective, actually. I, like mm-hmm. the pricing that I have been able to negotiate um, has been really awesome. You know, I talk a lot on Instagram about self-advocacy and advocating for yourself, your family. Um, and you keep using that word so much as a doctor. And I never hear doctors talk like that ever. But we need doctors to advocate for us, especially in hairy uh, medical s- situations like the strep, for instance. Um, yes, like, why is this not happening, right? And um, before we go into the why can we all three of us just talk a little bit more? We keep talking about the system, right? There's a lot of people that don't like, can we break down what the system exactly is? It's, it's, um, 
it's the insurance companies. It's like for, for here in Utah, it's IHC, right? Like what is this system? Can you explain it to us? Like from a doctor's perspective, because in our layman's terms, you know, as the patient, we don't know exactly what goes into these massive corporations and all of these things. So can you explain that to us? Yeah. Um, healthcare has been hijacked a little bit by the businessman and by the insurance companies. And so it's created this corporatization structure, which has, it's administratively heavy and it's regulatorily heavy, if that's a word. Um, And, uh, and so there's, there's, the system is, uh, you know, me or my corporation or my boss provides a healthcare product to me and my family. Right. Mm -hmm. And that may be in the form of an insurance, uh, Select Health, Aetna, Blue Cross Blue Shield, Cigna, lots of them out there. And that costs a lot of money. And folks don't often realize how much that costs. So like if you're, if you're self-employed, you get it because you're paying for it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not self-employed, then maybe you don't understand because it's only like $200 a paycheck. It seems like it, it works, right? But your employer is probably paying twice that. Mm-hmm. So for the average family it's probably anywhere from 12 to $1,600 a month wow. that, that your employer and you split and pay that amount towards this insurance company. Yeah. That is not a no deductible plan. That's actually a high deductible, not a very great product plan. Right. <laughs> and so, and so the, the patients are left with this and, and, Oh, by the way, they hand you this giant booklet that you're, you're in charge of understanding and navigating, you know, here's right. your, here's your insurance, here's your booklet, figure it out, go to your, go to your people as needed. You'd have better luck trying to figure out German probably. Yeah. Oh dude. Yeah. Those are very, very complicated <laughs> algorithms. Um, and they do that on purpose, right? They yes. make it very, very complicated, very, 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 very complicated. And um, as a doctor for you to say they do that on purpose, like, I feel like that holds a lot of weight yeah. because like it, it is, it's, it's very deceiving. And, and like you said in the beginning, it's a business, yeah. right? Like they're out to make money. Yeah, no bones about it. Insurance companies are for profit. Mm-hmm. There's no question. Exactly. I, I think all too often people, especially coming from the world we come from in alternative health, we we like to see doctors as the villains for some reason and claim that the doctors are trying to keep the truth suppressed or mm-hmm. they're trying to keep us down. And the way I see it, the way I've seen it from my patient side of things is that doctors are every bit as much a victim in this scenario yes. as the patients are because they're limited in so many different ways, both because in of the terms insurance of companies. The, the costs. Oh yeah. The insurance mm-hmm. companies, I, I don't think anyone would argue that they're the villains here, but, right. but they also limit what doctors are able to do. Right. And and then you're also, you have your hands tied in several other ways because of insurance with your malpractice. And then mm-hmm. you've got the American Medical Association, all these people telling mm-hmm. you, this is what you're allowed to do without getting in trouble. So you need to stay in your lane and do it very cautiously, yeah. right? But the insurance companies above all else, they're the ones that are kind of putting these restraints on everybody and preventing us from getting the care that, that us patients really deserve to have. Totally. What is, what is that relationship like as a, as a doctor with the insurance companies and all the insurance codes and stuff? Like, is it really as like, as hairy as we patients see it? It's extremely tedious and it's extremely uh, regulatory. So they, they don't necessarily say that they come into me and tell me how to practice medicine. They just don't cover that. 
Wow. Oh, we're not going to cover that diagnosis. We're right. not going to cover that service if you render it in that way. Wow. And so, so by so doing, they handcuff us to certain practices that they want us to wow. do instead of that we want to we want to do with our patients. So even if you wanted to do something that was helpful to your patient, the insurance company is like, no, sorry, you're not going to get money because you went out of the scope of practice that we only approve. It's not even scope of practice. It's 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 just they don't. Let me give you an example. So, that, so sometimes they'll change one of those ICD-10 codes, which which just made it. Oh, let's further convolute or complicate medicine, right? Mm-hmm. Let's let's change the way you name things. Wow, which has nothing for nothing to do with the way I deliver care to people. But because you don't name it correctly, we're not going to cover that. And so, so you have to learn a new language. You have to learn a new just language to get paid. that just recently changed, right? They just yeah. implemented wow. ICD-10 a few years back, and so so they keep changing it and they move the cheese consistently on my part to keep me confused, right? Mm-hmm. And to keep keep money in their pockets and 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 I have to hire experts to to just to just interface with them. So yes. it's like having a it's like having a, a merchant processing machine, like a credit card machine that takes forty to sixty cents on the dollar. It's so inefficient because wow. I have to hire this whole entourage of people to just deal with them. To just interpret it for you. Well to build, to code, to scrub yeah. and to collect and then to rework and then to rework again and then to yeah, that whole system is so, so inefficient. If you're a neurosurgeon and your one-time transaction with that merchant processor is, you know, a $40,000 surgery, yeah. then it might be worth it, right? Yeah. But in family medicine, we deliver all kinds of care that's that's small care. It's yeah. it's day-to-day stuff. It's a this, it's a that. And and when you're taking, you know, 60% of each of those small transactions, it yeah. becomes very, very inefficient for both parties, actually, for both parties. And for me, just listening to this, I'm like getting so angry yeah. as a doctor. Like, does that make you angry? Well, uh, <laughs> I'm actually really happy right now. Cause, cause, what cause I, you don't have to deal with that. What I yeah. did was I dissolved all my contracts with yeah. all of the payers. Yeah. I now have no contracts. So they, I'm not beholden to any IHC, any, no insurance any, companies, any blue cross blue shield Zero. to do certain things a certain way. And mm-hmm. so now I'm super free to just document how I want yeah. my patients take really good care of them. And order whatever I feel is appropriate for their care. Yeah. And we can talk and my patients and I communicate all the time. And and they're like, hey, I think about this and think about that. And under the insurance realm, I'd have to say, well, I don't have the right code for that. And so mm-hmm. I can't code it properly. So you'll probably pay cash for that. And I don't know what the cost of that lab is. So right. yeah, good luck. You know, it's just mm-hmm. one of those things. Yes. Whereas now we can just have a conversation and I could say, yeah, that's, that sounds reasonable. We should actually take a look at those, those labs. And, yeah. and oh, by the way, here's the cost. It's like $25 for like a whole panel of blood work. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that's just a small example of, of the price point, but it's legitimate and, and it's fantastic. So I know in our office, when we have clients come to us and they want to consult with us about their health and their hormones and whatnot, we normally do our, we have like this really big list of labs that we, because we want to see the whole picture, right? And, um, and so we'll say, take this to your doctor and have him order the blood work. But what we have since discovered is nine out of 10 of, of, of those people will come back and be like, my doctor refused. And, um, and why are they refusing? Is it because the insurance companies are just going to deny that completely? Like where, where, where's the disconnect with that? So it's probably a couple fold mm-hmm. what I can see. And, and this is a little bit off topic from what we're talking about, okay. but, but, but it, it's, um, it's, it, one of them is, uh, they don't have a vehicle to just order those without a diagnosis, right? Okay. You have without to have reason, IC, right? You have to have a diagnosis. You have to have ICD-10 code. Okay. And so if you can't link the proper code to the proper right. lab, then, wow. then, then they'll reject them. Yeah. And so some of those labs, 
frankly, it's just really, really tough. Like a vitamin D for some reason, like unless they already are diagnosed with vitamin D deficiency mm-hmm. under the, under the insurance model, it's hard to order a vitamin D. Like right. they just mm-hmm. won't cover it. And that's a pretty expensive test for, for, to run without my mom, without Voyage Direct Primary Care. Right. And Voyage Direct Primary Care is pretty affordable. And so I, whereas I have a vehicle to say, oh, here are the, here are the price points to that. Mm-hmm. Is that okay with you? It's okay with me. High mm-hmm. five. We're done. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I think it might be is that Doctors are used to like patients coming to them with a problem mm-hmm. and then them like discerning, like, should we order this? Should we order that? And what's appropriate and what's not? And yeah. so, um, and so I think that that might be a, just a little bit of what's going on as well. The docs are just like, wait, someone else that's not a healthcare professional told you that they want these labs and, and, mm-hmm. and like, what, what do you mean? Like, help, let me help you. Um, it, it, they do have some grounds to understanding, right? So like, mm-hmm. um, the United States Preventative Services Task Force pretty much helps us as docs practice best practices. Mm -hmm. And what that means is fiscal responsibilities weighed into that, but also like, are we casting a broad enough net to capture things? And, Mm -hmm. and should we change the way we're practicing? Um, because maybe we're overdoing something like PAPS, right? The guidelines for PAPS changed, right? It's no longer every year from the time you're sexually active. Um, the, the guidelines much different now. And so we're doing them less, less frequently because it marches out about the same as far as detecting cervical cancer and figuring that whole thing out. And so, um, ordering all labs on everybody all the time is probably not appropriate, you know? And so that, that's a piece of the puzzle as well. And, and like ascertaining what's going on and like, I think a cooperative discussion and you and I can talk about this afterwards, but like, (laughs) uh, you know, a cooperative arrangement where you're like, Hey, you know, here we are and this is what we're doing. Here's what we're thinking and that kind of thing. Be helpful. But a lot of these people, and, and I just kind of want to get your input on it too. A lot of these people have been on these medical merry-go-rounds where like they have these illnesses that doctors don't know how to recognize. There's no diagnosis for it. And it's these people that are going to their doctors and like, please, can we just check under the entire hood? And doctors are completely denying them that because they don't understand what's going on. That actually delineates another systemic problem. So, so the average healthcare professional can spend, I guess if you crunch the numbers, it'd probably be anywhere from two to like 12 minutes with a patient. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and these are the docs, right? And so, and, and, and they, you know, they teach us in medical school, you know, 90% of your problems can be diagnosed by history alone, but we're not taking the time to take good histories because right. we don't have time to do that because half of our time is putting information in the computer that the insurance companies want. Yes. And so, and so here we are, right? Shackled by the system. Mm-hmm. And instead of putting our brains and minds and thought processes to these folks, uh, it, it's a struggle, right? So you can discuss one problem and if that one or two, okay, two is max. That's it. Yeah. And that's, we don't a, have time that's for under three. the insurance realm, right? That's yes. not me. That's insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so because that's a systemic problem, um, and insurance will pay you the same if you discuss two things or five things. Wow. So that's the thing. That's the I thing did too. not know that. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. So that's a problem too, oh. right? And so so not only are we in a very inefficient system, yeah. only restricted to two things by this payer who will only pay for two things at once. Right. And and so it creates a poor care, basically. It creates yes. an an inability for you to spend the time, ask the questions, dig a little deeper. One of my favorite things in, in Voyage Direct Primary Care is is unearthing some things that have been swept under the rug or just simply not probe deep enough. Mm-hmm. I just didn't, I spent five minutes instead of, I spend like 60 minutes with my new patients and, and we go into detail, we get more questions, we get more information out of them. And I found some significant pathology in the community of well families, right? Yes. These families, we just don't go to the doctor, like quote unquote. Um, and, and they're pretty healthy. We're, we got a healthy family. Well, let me just ask you a few questions about this mm-hmm. sweet, healthy family of yours. And we ask some questions and we, it's not like I'm trying to find bad things, but 
dude, bad things do exist. And yes. it's important to ask a few extra questions, spend a little more time and use your degree, right? We have, we have MDs, DOs that have pretty good training and, um, and it's about that, right? It's about, it's about utilizing your credentials and, and your brain that you've worked really, really hard to, to, to gain that understanding on and applying that to these folks under this insurance system. It's really hard to do that. It's really hard. You know, you said before going on that, that doctors on average spend between two and 15 minutes, 12, two and 12 minutes, and you spend 60, Yeah, you know, and, and I know an hour with our clientele, like just to, like, just to consider working with them. We do like a free 30 minute consult and we still don't have the full story, right? Like it takes so much time. Like I spoke with someone yesterday and I said, okay, tell me how did your daughter's birthing go? Like, was it a, like vaginal delivery, C-section, like all of these things, like what is the entire history, right? And in our, in our healthcare system now, we just can't do that anymore. We're, we're just barely scratching the surface. And so for you to come out with something like Voyage and spend an entire hour with your patients and understand not only their health history and their family's health history, like that's completely revolutionary and unheard of I'm sure, are there other doctors that are doing stuff like this? So there's, I'm part of a national movement of, it's called direct primary care, the, the national movement. Mm-hmm. And there are many of us nationally, family docs yeah. who recognize the, the systemic problems yeah. and are stepping outside of that system and, and tr- delivering this kind of care. And it's um, direct primary care. We have an DPC Alliance. Okay, um, so is, that's like an official organization. Yeah, and yeah, it's wow. awesome. That. Yeah, that's awesome. and we're patient advocates. We are going after, we're, we're, we're fiscally and healthcare-wise. Our number yeah. one why is care, right? We just mm-hmm. we just want to provide better care. Yes. And and if we can do so in a fiscally responsible way, sweet, and, and we're crushing it. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. How many of you are there? Uh, so every month, many, many more, actually. It's, awesome. it's impressive. Yeah, the growth is phenomenal. It's exponential at this point. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, At the end, remind me, I'm going to ask you about how people can find out. We have a lot of listeners who are not local, so they couldn't Mm -hmm. necessarily benefit from your services, but they would definitely love something similar. So I can, I can tell you that right now. Actually, let's, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's um, DPC direct primary care, dpcfrontier.com slash mapper. And you'll find a DPC type of a doc in your community. People like you. Yep. That's fantastic. Will you ever be able to work with people outside of the state or are you pretty restricted? Uh, licensure. So you have to have a state licensing wherever you're practicing medicine. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Um, so I, I wanted to ask a question and we talked about this before we started recording and I think by now it might be kind of obvious to people already, but who specifically can benefit from a direct primary care practice like yours? Like yeah. Yeah. So let me just break down the model. So it's a, it's typically a membership model and the fee schedule varies from usually like 69 to a hundred dollars a month per adult. Mm-hmm. Mine's 69 to 89 per adult and per child it's usually 10 to $30 a month and mine's $10 a month. Wow. I, I mean, Utah County got a lot of big families. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm trying not to exclude anybody. And so that's why my children's price point is ridiculously low. Um, but I, my goal is to take care of the whole family, right? As a unit. Yeah. And so I know dad's not going to come in every week, but, but mom's going to bring a kid in a, a lot. And, mm-hmm. and so the goal is to be cost effective for the whole unit. And, yeah. and, and so that's how I figured out those price points. And, and the goal is just with membership now to gain unprecedented access to your family doc, right? And who knows you, who spent time with you an hour on the first visit, 30 minutes for follow-up visits and, and has that relationship, yeah. high touch, high quality care. Um, and so, yeah, that's the, that's the model. 
That's really cool. Right, so for, for a family of four, less than $200, like a mom and dad, two children, less than $200. And they're getting, they, they can come to you as many times as they need. You even do like adjustments and stuff, right? Yeah. As an osteopath, you do like musculoskeletal adjustments all the time. That's amazing. And then they, they can, can text, text you. you like you can do, you do Skype calls with them. Yeah. Video chat. Like, all the, you all those things. Amazing. Yeah. I can see yeah. Johnny doing yeah. that. Like, oh, look at what's on Tennyson's butt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do that. <laughs> you don't really. It's been a while. It's been a few years. <laughs> it's been a while. Um, no, that's like, it's so unheard of. And yet it makes so much sense. Like, why, why are we not doing this? And, um, well, we are right. More well, and more, more every up, month. Right. So. Right. But I think the issue is people don't know that this is a service. Like, so, so with people that already have insurances, um, how do you fit into their, their care? How, yeah. how can you benefit them? Because there's a lot of people listening. They're like, I already have insurance. I don't want to spend an extra 150 a month for my family to get higher quality care. And it's so much higher quality too. So yeah. how, how does that fit? It, it's a, it's a mind shift a little bit because you have un, unknowingly or knowingly been conditioned by insurance companies mm-hmm. in a certain way and to do certain things. And right now insurance companies have conditioned people away from care. Mm-hmm. We're pretty healthy. We just don't go to the doctor, mm-hmm. but, but that that's, that's what you're saying. But what's actual, what's in reality is high deductibles co-pays have pushed you away from care. Yeah. And so it's a little bit of a brain shift. And if folks can recognize the the product that their insurance card is delivering mm-hmm. and that that's, that's, there's something better yeah. and, and just buy into that just a little bit. And, and I, I I'll tell you 90% of my clients have insurance. They love it. And, and it's nice to have that on the back burner just in yeah. case there's a major catastrophe or surgery or something that I can't do. Yeah. Um, and, but, but they love the care that they get from me and they, they are like, wow, this is totally worth it. And it's super awesome. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. So I call it an enhancement to your benefit. So like, cool. yeah, you have quote unquote benefits from your employer. It's a, you know, 7,000 per person, 14,000 maximum out of pocket per family yeah. um, plan. And that's great. But for an extra, you know, less than 2,000 a, a year, you can have yeah. unprecedented access to your family doc for 80 to 90% of your care. Mm-hmm. I do fracture care. I do dermatology. I do pediatric care, newborn care, adult care, um, lots of care. That's amazing. I think it's hilarious. You, you call it an enhancement to their insurance, but really, even though maybe 5% of their healthcare costs go to Voyage direct primary care, you're doing 90, all the care. 95% yeah. all of the it. benefit yeah. is yeah. from that. That's just yeah. You're doing the job they were supposed to do yeah. basically. And nationally, um, I think you're going to see this movement because it's a very grassrootsy movement. These, these family cool. docs are just like, the system is terrible for our patients. We're going to do something different. And, and I think you're going to see this grassroots movement move forward awesome. and people invest in their own healthcare with these family docs. But then, and then you're going to see the third party payers. You're going to see blue cross blue shield look at it and say, Oh yeah, we feel bad. We're charging, you know, mm-hmm. 20 times more than you charge. And we're only covering 5% of really what's, what their day-to-day stuff are. Yeah. And so I think you're going to see, you're going to see the direct primary care Alliance be able to eventually negotiate on bigger terms because we'll take care of all of America. Right. And so awesome. that's the goal. I think it should be the gold standard of care of healthcare in America. Absolutely. And then, and then because of our transparency and because of the transparent billing and collecting and all that stuff that we can bring to the table, yeah. 
Um, I think you're going to see insurance come down on their price point too, because oh that's the gosh. only way you, can, yeah. you can't out lobby them. They're already way too, way too powerful. Way too powerful. Yeah. Um, one quick thing, I'm sorry, I gotta, I gotta put this in there. Um, a couple of my colleagues with the direct primary care Alliance have went out. In fact, it's another organization called doctors for patient care. Mm-hmm. Um, just recently had a meeting with, with president Trump and signed an executive order to allow, um, HCA or, uh, yeah, health savings accounts, HSAs, to pay for uh, direct primary care. Oh, that oh is my amazing. gosh. Yeah, that's huge. It's a huge. That that's huge. fantastic. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and more transparency. And and yeah. more transparency. That's what the two executive orders that they got signed. So and is that effective immediately? Or yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's huge. So if you have an HSA, you need to contact Dr. John Sanders right now. There and is no up with better him. use. I know, HSA. right? Like yeah. no, no better, better use. use. That yeah. is so incredible. That. Wow. Um Okay, so let's see. Um, I wanted to ask you about the. Actually, I can't remember that question. So let's. Oh, so all right. You talk about the the healthcare companies kind of bringing their price points down to match the market, so to speak. Do you really see the the shift in the the market in the future being that gentle? Um, maybe. <laughs> uh, what you see now is some innovators. There's some innovators on the insurance realm. And so mm-hmm. some of those are your health shares, uh, maybe the Christian health ministries, the mm. Liberty health shares, the Zion's health shares, Stratus health. Uh, there's a bunch of them out there. Stra- uh, Sidera just came on the scene last year and they're, they're kind of innovating that, that space as well. So the catastrophic space and their price point is, you know, 25, 30% of, of a insurance plan. Uh, but folks, you know, the, the, the argument against them is that they're kind of like, they're kind of being selective on their mm-hmm. patient panels mm-hmm. and, and they are, I'm not, uh, no direct primary care doctors are there we're, we're take whoever comes in and sees you and deliver as much care as they need. Yeah. Um, and that's really, honestly, that's the way we should operate. Um, but, but insurance, I get it. They're number crunchers and they're going to kind of always look at those things, yeah. but there are some innovators out there that are, that are delivering some, um, some neat, more cost-effective products cool. than um, than the you know the Blue Crosses and the Select Health and the Adnas and Signos and those guys out there. Cool. So so how how could the average person take advantage of these shifts in the market to maybe combine some of these innovative insurance companies with the direct primary care movement and sort of maximize their their dollar, so to speak? Yeah, I think talk to your direct primary care docs locally, and because that because we all keep our finger on that pulse as well, because because we provide upwards of eighty to ninety percent of the healthcare that folks need, but we recognize the need for a catastrophic plan as well, and so mm-hmm. so we'll keep our eyes on the innovators in that industry, and yeah. and as they come down and as those things kind of move along. Um, a colleague of mine was a broker. He talked to a Blue Cross Blue Shield. This is all word of mouth stuff. Um, <laughs> and and so and he was talking to them about, hey, direct primary care is this cool movement, and this is what they're doing. And he talked to some of their C-suite folks, um, and they were like, uh, and he said, well, what can you do for a direct primary care uh, family who is on a on a on a on a plan with you guys? And and he said, well, let me go crunch some numbers, and I'll get back with you. And 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 he came back, and he said. Gosh, if they have direct primary care doc, we're happy to discount their mem- their their monthly amount by like three hundred a month. Like wow, and so more than the price of of my so it's a net win. Yeah, absolutely. So I, so I think as this movement gains more and more traction, you're going to see the payers. Hopefully, they're all for profit, so who knows? All yeah. bets are off. But 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 we are. There's no question that we will save them. Tons millions and millions of dollars. There's no question. Yeah. Um, and so especially for like the, the shops that are self-insured, like the mm. 400 mm. to plus type employee shops, yeah. um, 
um, those those medium sized to big sized businesses they're already crushing it with with on site docs or near site docs and those kinds of things and that's that's how you can think of me too is like I'm like an on site doc for the public right for everybody yeah. Um, and so yeah if we can come up with like a collective self funded plan which there's a couple of folks working on actually even locally in, in the Utah area right. happy to talk about that some of the time cool so really it sounds like if if a person is motivated and they actually start asking questions especially if they get connected with a direct primary care doc mm-hmm. first. They can potentially save themselves incredible amounts of money. Yeah, especially if they're self-employed and they're and they don't qualify for the tax break for for the ACA plans. Yeah, super home run. So then, who is not a good fit for something like Voyage? Yeah, so um, I, I would argue that everybody's a good fit um, right now with with direct primary care. There are direct primary care. Um, clinics taking care of all age groups. Um, right now with Voyage Direct Primary Care, I, I'm a, I started up about a year ago. And so occasionally I'll go and moonlight or just work a shift in an, a rural hospital or a local uh, urgent care or something like that, just just because startup funds and things. Um, and so be, in order to do that, I have to still be qualified for Medicare. I haven't, mm-hmm. I've opted out of all my other payers. So I've, I've dissolved all my contracts with all other payers, yeah. but I can't dissolve with Medicare yet. And it's funny, in order to engage with a person differently than insurance, you have to dissolve your contract with them. Wow. And so mm. so I'd have to basically dissolve my contracts with Medicare, yeah. um, which is a pro- an arduous process. And, and, so, and, and I'm not quite ready to do that. So probably eight months out, I can take care of Medicare folks. Right now, yeah. I, Voyage Direct Primary Care can't do it. But there are DPC docs nationally doing it all the time. Very cool. And in the not too distant future, you'll also be able to. Yeah, do those that. are my, so those are some of my favorite issue. people. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Fantastic. Yes. So, um, are there any, any downsides to the direct primary care model? Uh, there's some folks that speak against it. Um, I would say their arguments are that we're being selective, which is not true. Um, their arguments are that we can't because, because we do limit our patient panel because we're trying to deliver, you know, 60 minute visits, 30 minute follow-ups, those kinds of, that kind of care. Uh, we can't take care of 6,000 patients like the current family docs do now. Three to 6,000 is the, is the current typical panel <laughs> of family docs. And that's why they're cranking so fast, right? Yeah. And it's part of it. And they're scheduled out, you know, three and four weeks. Yeah. Um, and so we're, we're, we're taking care of smaller patient panels, um, the, the argument is that, that we can't care for all of America in that way. And I would say um, my rebuttal is continue your current crash course yeah. and, and you're burning out all your family docs. Mm-hmm. You're burning them all out. 6,000 and super inefficient processes yeah. and tons of regulation and, and you're handcuffing us in so many ways. Yeah. Nobody wants to go into family medicine. Right, right now, I talk to my colleagues and they're like, actually... Direct primary care makes me think I could do family medicine mm-hmm. now. And it's totally true. It's beautiful care. It's the way it should be. It's awesome documentation. I'm not spending hours on the computer documenting right. silliness for insurance purposes. And, uh, and, and so I think it could rekindle folks to go into family medicine if, if this movement continues forward. But yeah, some of the naysayers are, are speaking in those terms. We're already at a shortage. Now you want to take our shortage and make it shorter. And, and they well, we're just, at a, a shortage because it's so broken and nobody exactly. wants to get into yeah. this mess yeah. with yeah. the insurance companies, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, would you say that if more doctors knew that this was actually an option, would they? do you think they would pursue it? Do you think doctors don't know that this is a thing actually? They, they, they do. Um, but they're scared. Right? Oh. It was so scary for me to, yeah. to, to just, I have four kids. I have a wife in law school. 
I'm going to jump off this cliff and hope the parachute deploys. Yeah. Um, and, and it did, and it was beautiful and it's mm-hmm. been awesome, but, but that was a risk, right? Yeah. And so not all That's doctors are, uh, they're pretty risk averse mm-hmm. creatures, doctors. And, yeah. and so, um, and so they're scared. And so I'll lead block away. I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll be their fullback and, mm-hmm. and hopefully they'll follow suit. The beautiful thing about this is, is there's not, I'm not in it to compete against anybody. I just want to take care of people in a good way. Yes. And then if docs want to come join me, awesome. If they want to do it themselves, I will support them and help them in fact. And, right. and so I'm super happy to, to collaborate and corroborate with folks. And in fact, you'll see the DPC Alliance nationally, these docs, we're all like-minded. We're all like, Hey, how can I help you? And we're all like collaillaborating on the, you know, Slack channels and, and, yeah. and Facebook groups and, and it's fantastic. That's it's a really, really cool. great group of people. It, it kind of makes me think of how it might have been in like the 1920s if they actually had the internet back then, right? All these yeah. family doctors who were doing home visits, if they could actually communicate with each other, yeah. they would probably be having similar conversations. You know, it's funny. It, it, I've had many of my clients say, this is like old school medicine, like back yeah. when yes. they, uh, Yeah, I have a totally. sweet doctor bag that I got in, in medical school. That's that amazing. I'll, I'll go do my house calls with, you know, and it is, it's fun. It's, it's beautiful care and you can go do a house call on occasion. I'm not transactionally driven by insurance companies. Yes. I'm, I'm a membership model. Probably 40% of my care is delivered remotely, right? A mom is busy. They've got five kids. They text me real quick about their kid with a whatever, a rash or something. And we can send a picture or do a video chat and take care of a lot of their needs remotely. Amazing. That, that to me is one of the biggest that's, advantages of yeah. it because we don't want to actually drag our kids in. Oh my gosh, that's so and, tedious. Or, like or thinking even, of having to put clothes on my children, <laughs> get them fed, yeah. get them buckled in the car. They're now screaming for 30 minutes as I'm going to the doctor's office because they're fighting over a toy. And then we have to sit silently yeah. in a doctor's office and wait for an hour for him to see us for 15 minutes and then redo it all just backwards. Yeah. If I can text you or call you and like, oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. I mean, when we first got decent insurance and it came with a nurse hotline, we were so excited because we thought, oh, it's going to save us so much time. The nurse hotline was so useless. We called it the first time and the nurse says, oh, you should probably just take them in. Like, but do you have any advice for us? I mean, no, just take them in. Well, they always default to that. Like one of my friends who was a nurse that actually worked for the military, she was like, no, no, they, they have to tell you to go to insta or to go to the ER or something like they can't do anything else. And so I'm like, this isn't very helpful. Like you're basically just telling me to go see a doctor. This is what we thought we were going to be getting. Yes. Got the nurse hotline. So So it's interesting. Small breakoffs of, of you could see like the businessman trying to like, like that's a businessman line of thinking. Like Mm -hmm. let's provide a hotline for a nurse to do this thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Instead of like, let's, provide a direct primary care doc to answer his phone after right. hours and take yeah. care of his small body of patients in a meaningful way. Yeah. Um, same thing with like the telemed thing, right? That's a yeah. total, like that's, that's, I mean, it's a level of care, but it's not, it's not your doctor on the line who knows right. you and your family taking care of those phone calls. Yes. Um, I, I talked to one, one guy on Silicon slopes and he's like, Oh yeah, we're totally going to automate family medicine. Mm. And, and I said the, the automatable part, is our own fault. It's a five minute visit where I ask you three or four questions. I give you a diagnosis and I give you a prescription mm-hmm. and I send you out the door. That's automatable. Yeah. You bet you can, you can train a robot to do that. Yeah. Um, but, 
But that's why we need to step off of that system and, mm-hmm. and create something that's high-touch, high-quality, relationship-driven care that is not automatable, that is actually great care. And, and yeah, the businessman has no business touching. Right. Yes. <laughs> I think where that leads yes. is to a scenario where people Google their symptoms like they do now, yes. mm-hmm. and then they can actually write their own prescription, yeah, which yeah, yeah. just sounds like a total disaster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's exactly because, right. I mean, that's the ultimate automation, right? We just let people Thank be you their guys. own doctor. <laughs> I'm so grateful for you guys and- our relationship and and also your invitation to speak to you today. This has been really fun. I appreciate you. We are so grateful for your time and the service that you're providing our community that we've we've always needed and didn't know that we did, right? Yeah. We just thought that we were stuck in the system and the system would always be there. And and I feel like that's exactly what it is. We're stuck. Mm-hmm. And you're now giving an opportunity to people to not be stuck anymore, to actually get the care that they deserve and to have people advocate for them. And um, that's priceless. Can I speak to just a couple, uh, one more thing? Um, There's a couple of other folks in our Utah County community doing some uh, membership-driven care. Mm -hmm. Um, They are 80 to 90% still insurance-driven. And so they're still on that broken bicycle and they're still pedaling really, really fast. And and I'm not, I, I would argue that their care is different than my care. Um, and so, um, you know, they're, they're out there, they're, they're good folks. I really kind of like them. Um, but they're, they're just scared to completely jump off of that bicycle that's broken. Um, and understandably so I get it. I I totally get it. I was scared to do it as well, but I believe in the purity of direct primary care, the purity of not being constrained in any way by anybody or any insurance company or any regulation to, in my relationship with my patients and my ability to take care for, take care of them. Mm -hmm and uh, order whatever they need to be ordered and you know, take care of them. So all the folks out there listening to this, if you've come into contact with a membership model before and it didn't work very well for you, look again because direct primary care is a completely new beast. It's, it's going to fill in all the gaps that were left with the old models for sure. And potentially completely transform the medical care system that is so broken. Uh, Dr. Sanders, thank you so much. Before we we end this, is there anything else you want to share with listeners? Anything that you feel is vital for them to know? Um, Especially how to contact you. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yes. exactly. Uh, Voyage Direct Primary Care. Uh, VoyageDPC.com is my uh, URL. And um, three- How can they learn more from you too? Like, don't you have a YouTube channel? Tell oh, them yeah. all that, Ooh, all yeah. that information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We want to we'll, learn more from you. We'll we want more Dr. The, Sanders. Yeah, we'll throw these up on the show notes too. So yeah. Yeah. no need for people to memorize it. Sure, sure. Sure. Voyage DPC. Uh, I have an Instagram account. I have a Facebook uh, account as well. I also have a YouTube channel where I'm trying to educate, you know, two to three minute visit videos on the difference between the common cold and strep, right? Because I saw that kid and I was like, I don't want nobody to ever to have that issue again. Yes. Um, and so I uh, did a quick video on it and showed I'm just here as the, as the mother of a child who comes in with a sore throat. Like, how do I know if it's a cold or if it's strep? Um, and so just little things like that. Um, I've got a YouTube channel up there as well. There's a really cool one out there he did on vertigo oh, yeah, i believe yeah. it was the, yeah. the epley maneuver is that yeah. what it is Epley's yeah. a big complex, yeah check cool. that one out it's, yeah, fun. it's fun thank you so much for your time thank you 